The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of January at the $5 or above level. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Christopher Valens, Joey Sirico, Tristan Pantorato, Resident Evil Collector, and Will Shire. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Thank you so much for joining me today. We got some big news this week in the musical world. Uh, big Tour announced this week. Big Tour. Basically, Warp Tour Part 2. Uh, the When We Were Young Tour was just announced. It's going to be on October 23rd. 2022 so if you're listening to this in the future this information is useless but it's basically a bunch of pop punk emo bands from like that were huge when we were in high school have all come together or come out of retirement so it seems to basically play this massive pop punk tour uh did you hear about this when it was announced like everywhere uh, a couple days ago yes neil i heard about this when it was announced everywhere yeah <laughs> and i do yeah if you're listening from the future please let me know please send some brainwaves to me of if this is this festival real right what's going on here was this Firefest 2.0 mm. you know i have a lot of questions for the future people did Jimmy Eat World actually perform? Was My Chemical Romance there? Is Paramore there? Did All American Rejects get together again to do this? Did Boys Like Girls get back together? Uh, Avril Lavigne, The Wonder Years are going to be there, one of my favorite bands. It feels too good to be true. There's a few bands in this build that are missing. Like I think Blink-182 would have been really neat, but uh, obviously right now with Mark Hoppus's health problems and Tom DeLonge is insane, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Uh, a couple of little emo bands there that were missing from back in the day, but still, it's it's an incredible bill. There's like 50 bands. Uh, should be a good time, but uh, future Mike, please let us know if this is worth, I think it's a $250 ticket plus hotel. But for one day. And it's all in one day. Like that. That's what doesn't make sense to me is that if you took all these bands, I believe they said it's three stages. That's like a half an hour per set. Yeah, I'm really confused. Of, like, am I going at 8 a.m. to watch 303 perform? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see some of, like, if there's riots at this thing. Like, it's going to be nuts. It's definitely going to be nuts. It's going to be a lot of people in their 20s, early 30s, probably. Jeff, just the millennials having a bunch of cry fests and whatnot. It's going to be a good time. I'm not going, but uh, I look forward to seeing all the big stories on Instagram. And speaking of big stories, Mike, we had another big news announcement this week. Now, we don't usually talk about new video game news, but I feel like that we need to cover this uh, because this is arguably one of the biggest news uh, updates in video game history since we've been covering video games. So we talked last week about missing out on certain things in video game history. I feel like this is going to be one of those things. Activision was bought by Microsoft uh, as I believe one of the biggest acquisitions ever Microsoft bought Activision for 68.7 billion US dollars and listeners if for some reason you don't know Activision are the publisher of one of the biggest video game franchises of all time Call of Duty. Mike, what did you think of this news when uh, when you saw it on your on your news feed that day? My first initial reaction was a little bit of an applause to Microsoft mm -hmm. uh, from just a business standpoint because it's you know what um, Activision Blizzard King which is technically the company name that they bought they have been just thrown in the mud through the news and for good reason too like they're a terrible company in terms of how they operate 
And Microsoft is just waiting, you know, like a shark, just waiting <laughs> say, oh, look at this valuation. We can just buy them right now. And, yeah. um, and they did. And I think this is a shrewd move. I think the Activision Blizzard, those names are going to be gone within the next five years. We will not see them anywhere. It will just be absorbed into some kind of Microsoft first party developer. And yeah, I just thought it was a really shrewd move by Microsoft. If you can't beat them, just buy them. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that then I got thinking, wow, like... Call of Duty and Halo are finally really in the same boat now, which is yeah. uh, pretty crazy because for the, the better part of the last 15 years, those two have have competed to be the number one shooter in the genre. So uh, that's yeah. crazy. And I think just it's going to be interesting because now Microsoft owns a massive market share in terms of the, the, the big AAA developers, which is mm-hmm. not necessarily a good or guaranteed thing. And you know, I know some people like myself are like, well, here's more oligopoly here where we're just buying each other. Uh, sometimes that does make for some interesting competition where these you know, these publishers get very stale. And so a lot of indie uh, devs and publishers come up because of that. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's, it's going to take a few years for this whole deal to uh, to come to pass. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to happen overnight. It's not like in 2023 or even this year, it's not like that the 2022 Call of Duty is only going to be on Xbox. I yeah, have a hard time thinking that Call of Duty will ever be an Xbox exclusive. Uh, like I, it, it does it, now. It, it's actually beneficial for Microsoft to put Call of Duty on uh, Sony hardware because every sale of a Call of Duty game now, Microsoft gets 70 percent of that. Oh, it's not going to be exclusive for sure. There's no, no. way. Uh, what no. I think will happen is just the any new properties and anything like that 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 company creates will be microsoft properties and exclusive yeah that's really all that's going to happen yeah they spent 69 billion dollars on this on this uh, studio they're not on they're not going to uh to do nothing with it that's for sure they're definitely yeah. going to make some changes they're gonna they're gonna absorb a lot of the revenue from the games that they sell uh, I, I don't really know what it's going to do for nintendo just kind of taking it back to to kind of our wheelhouse so i was just thinking like activision games on nintendo like other than the remakes and the remasters, like the Spyros and the Crashes, I couldn't think of how much this is really going to affect Nintendo. I actually think it might benefit them because it seems like Microsoft mm-hmm. plays nice with Nintendo more so than they, they don't do play with... nice with Sony. No, yeah. they don't play nice with Sony. So I don't know how well this is going to do for PlayStation, but I think that we might actually see some some good things happening to Nintendo with this acquisition. But uh, one thing that is good about this whole thing is that now the company that owns Banjo Kazooie also owns Toys for Bob, which are the studio that make the Crash and the Spyro remastered trilogies and whatnot. So we have a really good chance of seeing a Banjo remastered trilogy i guess or a remastered collection coming to xbox switch who knows like it's it's really cool to see i i can only hope for a banjo remaster we just got banjo kazooie on switch finally though so mm-hmm. yeah so we're we're on the right track neil we're on the right track yeah i did want to give a shout out today uh to friend of the show jed uh who i got a uh some furniture from oh uh, i got a lovely drink cart shelf thingy uh that i put drinks in and my lego on top of oh nice <laughs> and it uh, so i i i told him that i would give him a shout out and so this is me giving him a shout out <laughs> that, that's nice hey furniture is so interesting like what the, when you're an adult there's no nicer feeling than getting like free or heavily discounted furniture am i right any gifts that i get that are are very useful especially furniture like yes yeah. this is all i want oh my god furniture sweaters yeah oh man <laughs> I, I stole as much as i could from my family when i moved out like taking like little bits of like clothing from my brother they didn't wear anymore but just if you need a table and you find out someone is just like please take this table yeah it's like christmas morning dude like oh, i don't yeah. know what it is about that <laughs> like i'm at the point now or at least in our condo we're full on furniture but like 
when we were furnishing my parents' basement van, any shelves that we could get our hands on, we were stealing them from people's boulevards. We didn't even know if they were throwing them away. Uh, but if You're they like were, Ricky if they were... in uh, Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> as long as it's near the curb, I can take it. Hey, that, that's really the in, – in suburbia, that is the rule. If, there, if there's a couch on a boulevard, it's yours. So taking as much free furniture as we could, spray painting it, making it our own. Uh, it's a great feeling. Someday I'll be able to afford really, really nice furniture. But until then, I'm just going to enjoy getting free furniture from other uh, other places like Jed. And speaking of Jed, we have a Patreon topic today. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits at the beginning of the show and the option to submit an opening topic, just like Jed Winters did. Jed wants to say, happy belated New Year and happy birthday, Mike. Neil, I'm not sure when your birthday is, but happy belated birthday from whenever it was in 2021. It's October 30th, but thanks, Jed. (laughs) This month, I was wondering if DLCs existed in the GameCube era, are there any games you can think of that would have benefited from either bug fixes or new content? Thanks. Hmm. Good question. So, Mike, DLC in the GameCube generation, obviously the GameCube could not hook up to the internet for patches and DLC. So if you could go back and add this uh, feature to the GameCube, what games would you patch or add DLC to? It's a, that's a great question. And I had a couple that I was thinking of, and these are some that we've talked about that were just actual broken games. Uh, one of them is uh, Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. Mm. We talked about that way back in, I believe, the clone episode where we were talking about uh, clones of games, Sphinx and yeah. the Cursed Mummy, very close to Prince of Persia. And that game, I believe, on one of the areas in one of the temples, if you saved in that area, you'd like destroy the game file. So, you know, not <laughs> great. And there was one with the Wii, too. Um, I know this is not the same thing, but the Wii also didn't have DLC. And I remember you telling me, Neil, that it would break the Wii and they would, maybe it's Prime, uh, Prime 3. It was uh, it was Metroid yeah. Other M, I believe, where if you went into a certain room without a certain weapon, uh, the door would close and you're now locked into that room and you can't leave. So you had to send in your hard drive for your Wii into Nintendo and they would fix it. I believe that that yeah. was the workaround for Other M. Yeah. yeah see, and like th- that's something where it's just like if you just had DLC or updates or something to fix that, you would not have to go through this yes. horrible nightmare of uh, of sending and resending stuff. But uh, that was one that I thought of. Monsters Inc. Scream Arena. Uh, that's a, a one that we talked about way back in the unplayable games. That's unplayable because there's really only one uh, version of the part of the mini games, and it's just dodgeball, it's just different skins of dodgeball. And they did that because right. they couldn't, they didn't have time to finish this game. And of course, uh, today we see stuff like that. We see broken games come out, but uh, they do eventually get patched weeks or months later. So that would have been one that definitely would have as well. And uh, the last one I have here is mm-hmm. Melee, and that's in terms of just DLC, because uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee had a lot of characters that were supposed to go in the game. Uh, there was a lot that were rumored, but there was a couple that were confirmed, like uh, King Dedede and Lucas, mm, who were okay. supposed to be in the game but got had to get pulled back last minute. You know, of course, now we have Smash as a DLC machine, but right. um, but you know, in 2001, uh, Melee would have benefited so much if they had uh, if they were able to have DLC because Sakurai, of course, have these characters made up and ready to go. I think Goku was was one that that is rumored oh. to have been in Melee as well, and there's wow. a bunch of other characters that eventually got into uh, other games. Like even having uh, Olimar right after Pikmin gets released, you know, mm-hmm. that that would have been awesome. 
Yeah, you see, DLC is both a gift and a curse, because on the one hand, you do get to add all of this bonus content to games, but on the other hand, if we had added all of those new characters and maybe stages to the game, would Melee still be this ultimate fighting community game that it is today? Like, mm-hmm. maybe not, because, like, they released it as it was, and it was broken in, in certain ways, but, you know, players have been able to break it open and make it this huge fighting community. Like, it's hard to know that if, if Melee was able to be patched and fixed and added to, would we be talking about it today the same way that we do? That's a, that's a great point, actually. I didn't even think about that, yeah. but yeah, like, we talked about that in our <laughs> Melee episode, about how if they ever were to release a Melee HD, they would have to release it exactly as is bugs and broken stuff all intact right because you can't polish it and yeah you'll lose that community you'll lose the whole spirit of the game um what about you neil what uh, what dlc and slash bug fixes and stuff uh, did you come up with yeah i couldn't think of many bug fixes i was mainly just thinking of uh ways to or i was just thinking of things to add to the games because for me bugs in games is like it yeah it's a problem but for like you can usually get it, most games that i play are not that broken that i can usually overlook it uh but the first thing that came to mind for me instantly was uh double dash uh yeah Double Dash, as much as we love it, it's our favorite Mario Kart game. At the end of the day, it's very content light compared to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe by today's standards. There's only 16 tracks in Double Dash, which is about a quarter or a third of as much as there are in 8 Deluxe. Uh, I would love to have seen another pack come out with maybe 8 to 16 courses to play in that game. Uh, Maybe a couple new characters, I don't know. But I just feel like whenever I go and play Mario Kart Double Dash, I'm always expecting, you know, this huge experience. And I'm always hoping that, like, oh, there's going to be these new tracks that I've never played before. But it's always the same uh, 16 tracks. And there's Mirror Mode as well, of Mm -hmm. course. But I would love to have had some more content in that game. Especially content like uh, like older courses, because almost all those courses in Double Dash are new courses. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like maybe go back and remaster or remake some of the uh, SNES tracks, which we eventually got. Uh, maybe uh, upres some of the Game Boy Advance courses mm-hmm. into a, into like a GameCube style course. Like they could have done so many cool things, but uh, they eventually made Mario Kart Wii, I guess. So it, like like how I'm waiting patiently for Mario Kart 9. Sometimes <laughs> it's better to just get the sequel as opposed to DLC yeah. for these courses. Uh, the next game that came to mind was Metroid Prime 2. One of the things that was missing from Re- Metroid Prime 2 was uh, they wanted to add Super Metroid as a ROM into that game. There was actually a lot of content missing from Metroid Prime 2. It's been said that only 30% of the total vision is there. So I would love to have seen Retro Studios have the chance to go back and add some of the things that they didn't get to. And Super Metroid, to have that on GameCube would have been so cool as bonus content. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah, I know. I remember in our Metro Two episode when we were talking about that. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so. I, I feel really sad when, like, broken games are one thing. I feel worse when I when I hear that a developer had a vision and they were only able to execute a third of it. Like, it's just really sad. Uh, and the last one for me is uh, Animal Crossing. I would love to have seen more NES games added to the Animal Crossing lineup. We did get quite a mm. few, but it would have been neat to have gotten just see how many games that they could have added. Maybe gone back and added some games from uh, Game Boy or SNES, other other consoles. It would have been really neat. Uh, Animal Crossing is a good game to just update constantly. I don't feel like any updates will break Animal Crossing. It just adds more to it and uh, give me more of a reason to go back and play it. Animal Crossing is a great game to just bring up here too because hmm. this is the antithesis of, of, of basically Jed's question. This is a, a game that was so fully packed that it actually didn't need DLC right. uh, really, which was is just amazing to think about when you think of, of Animal Crossing today, which is constantly getting updated, constantly new stuff added to the store and everything, where the original Animal Crossing had to have all of this content 
in the game created already. And I mean, that's why they gave you the extra memory card too, because there was just so much stuff. So that's like, that's taking no DLC and no updates to the extreme. That's saying, okay, we need to have, make sure that everything is perfect on launch. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. I never thought of that. It's just like a life sim must have been the most stressful game to have launched back in the day because yeah. you have to create this game that a person can play for hundreds of hours and it has to work for those hundreds of hours. Every little thing, every little tool, every little character has to be perfect for it to work. Otherwise, the entire point of the game, which is to play it for hundreds of hours, is pointless. So. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. And here's here's me just selfishly saying, nah, add add more <laughs> NES games to it, please. Yeah, Great well, topic, Jed. We really love that one. Uh, and remember, listeners, if you support us on Patreon, to uh, send us a DM on Patreon or on Instagram, and we will insert it into the intro to the show. But there is another way to write into the show. Mike, should we move on to our, our – Mike, should we move on to the next segment of our intro? Let's do it, Neil. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can do so by leaving us a review on whatever social media platform you follow us on. Or, as we discovered last week, you can also leave us a correction. If we screw up one week and say that the PlayStation 2 was the greatest console of all time, make sure to correct us on it. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today. Don't call me, uh, brackets, I have it as don't call me with, uh, it's, it's like an 11 for the L, it's pretty cool, uh, on Instagram says, hey guys, cool podcast, man, I have so much to say about Yu-Gi-Oh, I even have the game y'all mentioned in the episode, which is uh, False Bound Kingdom, is what Don't Call Me is talking about. Okay, cool. You see, I'm a little bit nervous about that comment there where uh, Don't Call Me says, man, I have so much to say about Yu-Gi-Oh. I can't tell if that's like threatening that we missed a couple things to say (laughs) or if it's just like, man, I have so much to say about Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, yeah, us too. (laughs) (laughs) Us too. I mean, we're going to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh a little bit actually on this episode because, Neil, it's the Pokemon episode. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready for it, Mike. And ladies and gentlemen, get ready for episode 82 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 371 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. With help from Lugia. Oh, that's him. Last week, we talked about Frogger, Tack, and Ty the Tasmanian Tiger, three platforming franchises that uh, tried to go toe-to-toe with the other platformers in the early 2000s. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're covering the final two Pokemon games on the GameCube, Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD, Gale of Darkness, to celebrate the release of Pokemon Arceus, which is launching around the same time as this episode. So, Mike, we talked about our memories of Pokemon back on episode 46 when we covered Pokemon Box and Pokemon Channel and the Digimon games on the GameCube. Uh, so, really quick, did you want to go back and just kind of refresh the listeners on our memories of this franchise? Yes, I would love to do that, Neil. I was I spent a lot of time this week, you know, walking around, uh, thinking about mm. Pokemon, taking long walks with my Pikachu, and, nice. uh, and, and really just remembering uh, what made Pokemon great for me as a kid. Uh, obviously, anyone in roughly our generation... Uh, remembers Pokemon fondly for sure. Uh, remembers the cards that they would would get. Uh, remember them getting banned on the playground because some kids stole the cards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course, I remember the first movie. Uh, seeing that, I saw that with my dad, and he did not understand what was going on at all. I remember he <laughs> took like all the the little kids to to see that. But that I that was one of my first um first movie memories. And of course, <laughs> I remember seeing Pokemon uh, three, the third movie, where you got the holographic uh, anti card. Uh, nice. which was uh, very, very exciting. 
Um, and I, I, I was just thinking of more memories. I actually remember my mom sitting down with me and with this uh, CD-ROM that we got with, I guess, a, um, a starter pack and trying to learn the Pokemon card game, the actual game uh, with me, oh. because that game is really hard to play. Um, yeah. And I, I I know why I remember that, but I vividly remember her uh, attempting to, to learn it with me. And uh, we had a friend of the show on way back on the Melee episode, uh, my friend Nathaniel. And I have a good story about him for Pokemon. So my mom, uh, she, when she had me, uh, she didn't work for, I guess, like uh, probably like like six or seven years after. Uh, she was just mm-hmm. like a stay-at-home mom with me. And so sometimes she would do the uh, volunteer where you can go into the kindergarten classes or whatever and help them out. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I know what you call those people, but she was do that. And Nathaniel was a year below me. So he was in kindergarten. I didn't know him at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I come home one day, I was in grade one and I obviously had all my Pokemon stuff. She, uh, tells me, she's like, well, there's this kid in the kindergarten class, uh, who is the only kid there who has Pokemon cards and he seems to be trying to, trying to trade them, <laughs> trade them with everybody. And the, the teacher had to keep taking them away. Uh, she's like, what are these oh. cards? I was like, it's Pokemon mom. It's Pokemon. <laughs> like talk to this guy. He's my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't take his cards away. Yeah. Oh it's, man. Uh, that's, that's one of my favorite, uh, favorite stories. Cause it's just this kid who, and Nathaniel's a very, very smart guy. And it's funny that mm-hmm. it showed that early. Uh, and just like clearly just knew like something about this, that Pokemon was just a current, <laughs> basically while other kids are just like trying to make triangles and circles <laughs> yeah yeah it really took the world by storm when we were at that just ripe age of wanting to absorb everything we got the cartoons the movies i even went to see a pokemon musical wow in, uh, i didn't know that yeah i, I might have been i might have been my seventh birthday there was pokemon live which was here in toronto for i guess a few weeks i don't think it was in in theaters for as long as like rent was but uh it was it was in there for quite a quite you know probably through the holidays sure. uh but it was like it was a musical there was p- people in pikachu outfits and or a pikachu costume a meowth costume and there was ash and misty it was basically retelling the i believe the first movie with mewtwo and there was a mega Mew- or metal mewtwo at one point too so like parents taking their kids to see that and uh yeah the book I got my first pack of Pokemon cards when I was about six years old. My, my older brother, who was five years older, had a deck of them. I remember vividly seeing Charmeleon. That was the first Pokemon card I ever saw. Uh, and then being addicted to it for several years until it was replaced by other fads like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Beyblade and whatnot. And then eventually, you know, circling back to it when I was in college and finally uh, finishing my Pokemon card collection, I have all 150 Pokemon cards from the Fossil, Jungle, and Base set. Not Shadowless, so I'm not going to be able to retire a millionaire. But uh, still, it's really cool that I got to uh, finish that that collection. Um, but the games are really what what uh, solidified everyone's love for Pokemon. Like everybody played the Game Boy Color games when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Everyone was playing Pokemon Stadium at friends' houses on their N64s. Uh, at the time of this recording, I didn't know this, Mike. There's 122 Pokemon games. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> There's a lot of them. I mean, you know, I I really stopped at crystal actually um because i had red blue gold and crystal those were the four games i had uh and um i was trying to think i'm like what happened why did i stop at crystal and it was like you said it was Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh happened and completely took over our lives we were also you know 11 12 at this point pokemon Mm -hmm. felt like the more kiddish game or Yu-Gi-Oh felt like the edgy cool game had this cool anime that was on at the time and so for us i think for people our age we uh we thought it was um we thought it was kind of just like a fad 
mm-hmm. and obviously it didn't end up being a fad, but we had seen Digimon come and go, Yu-Gi-Oh was going to come and go for us, and then Pokemon ended up staying, and I didn't really get back into Pokemon until uh, Pokemon X and Y in 2013, mm-hmm. uh, and then after that, I ended up playing Pokemon Showdown, which was this uh, this game, like a browser game, basically, where you would play people all, all over the world just doing battles, and oh, then cool. I really started getting back into it. When Pokemon Go came out, I was really already fully back into the Pokemon world and have been there ever since. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I jumped back in with X and Y in the college days, played that game on the train, and then Pokemon Go was huge. They did the, the That was a genius move to just bring back the uh, Gen 1 to start with to get those the early millennials back in, the kids that played it, you know, just 150 Pokemon with the show and the cards and everything. It was just those Pokemon, which is great. Uh, at this point, there's uh, almost 900 Pokemon, Mike. There's 898 Pokemon, which means that... Within the next few years, we're looking at seeing Pokemon number 1,000. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what that Pokemon looks like. There's a lot of pressure riding on that that design. Yeah, that's going to be cool. That's going to be cool. I didn't realize there were that many Pokemon. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's wild. I, I couldn't believe it. Like 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 you said, we took a bit of a break. We didn't play the – I didn't play the Game Boy Advance ones until way later. I still haven't played the DS ones. I would like to someday. They're just super expensive. Uh, but Pokemon, like we like to talk about, is the number one highest grossing media franchise of all time. Uh, with $109 billion in 25 years. That's an insane amount yeah. of money. The majority of that is actually not from video games. It's from merchandise. $82 billion of that is merchandise. I believe that that includes the cards, any kind of plushies, uh, T-shirts, hats, backpacks. So that that makes sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, video games account for about $25 billion. Uh, the interesting factor of this breakdown for me was that $3 million of that money is in jet aircraft sales. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, Pokemon Jet. This is something I learned this week. Pokemon Jet refers to a number of aircrafts that were operated by a Japanese airline called All Nippon Airways. Uh, And it was a promotional, uh, I guess, ploy for Pokemon. Uh, The exteriors of the aircraft were painted with pictures of various Pokemon, and the interiors were decorated with Pokemon themes. This line of uh, aircrafts was ended in 2016. Uh, and it was revived back in 2021. There's approximately 11 different planes that have been plastered with Pokemon uh, inside and out. So that accounts for $3 million of revenue for Pokemon in the last uh, 20 years or so. Well, that's a fun fact. There you go. There's your fun fact for the day. That's my fun fact. So Pokemon is making a lot of money out there for Nintendo and Game Freak, of course. A lot of money for sure. It's complicated how that money go gets uh, thrown around we might talk about that later in the show because that's a whole subject on its own but uh, yeah. uh because the pokemon company split up between everybody anyways uh there <laughs> are a bunch of non-mainline pokemon games because that's what we're really talking about today we're not going to talk about the reds the blues the crystals the new games uh we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about the the, the side projects that the the non-mainline ones and i got a bunch to list off here there's a ton, but these are just some of the ones that I want to highlight. We got Pokemon Stadium coming out for the N64, Hey You Pikachu, Pokemon Snap, uh, Pokemon Puzzle League, Pokemon Stadium 2. These are all in N64, by the way. Uh, Pokemon <laughs> Pin- Pinball for the Game Boy Color. And then we have a little break. We got Pokemon Box, Ruby, and Sapphire, which is technically not really a game, but that's for the GameCube. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Channel as well, as we talked about way back in the... Uh, one of those episodes that you said already, Neil, the number 40 something, 46, <laughs> 46. I think, yes. uh, and then of course we have Colosseum and Gale of Darkness, which we're talking about today. And then really one of the last side uh, games for Pokemon was Pokemon Battle Revolution, which came out on the Wii, which was a direct successor to Gale of Darkness and Colosseum. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that a little bit too, at the end of the episode. And then we have, of course, Pokemon Snap 2 
which came out for the Switch last year. And on top of that, we have a lot of different series. We have Pokemon Ranger series. We have the Mystery Dungeon series, which is actually pretty good. We have the mm -hmm. Rumble series and many, many, many more. So yeah, tons of games, tons of side games, and just a really interesting franchise as a whole. Yeah, it's 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 had a long lasting. It, it's had a much longer lasting effect than I thought it was ever going to have back in '98 when we were playing oh, yeah. this. I don't think people knew how long it was going to be around for. Maybe some people did, but I did not think that in 25 years I was going to see little kids uh, with a handful of Pokemon cards with a Pikachu hat on in the park. Uh, you know, to this day, which is wild to, to me. Uh, I, I I would selfishly like to see Pokemon take on a little bit more of a mature. Uh, tone for a change. I know that one of the games that we're going to be talking about today technically is a bit grittier, quote unquote, than than other Pokemon games. But uh, a lot of these games are, at the end of the day, I understand that they're for kids, but I also understand that a lot of the gamers that play these games are people in their late 20s to late 30s. And I think it'd be nice if they made something that's a bit more like, like I would, I don't want to see a Last of Us style Pokemon <laughs> game, but even something like Horizon Zero Dawn, where it's like just, you know, that level of graphics, even though I know the Switch can't run that, I would love to see a Pokemon game that isn't this cel-shaded, cutesy game. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. But I do want to talk just a little bit about the third generation of Pokemon before we jump into the games and have some colors on, Neil. Uh, sure. For the third gen, we have 135 new Pokemon, uh, and those are the mainline games, which are Ruby and Sapphire, and sidebar, just... Sapphire, that's the dumbest spelt word I've ever seen. I hate that there's two P's. What word has two P's, but you don't pronounce one of them? Both of them, basically. Sa P, P, Sapphire. I, I don't know. That That's too many. That's too much grammatical uh, quizzing for me at this time of the day, Mike. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. Uh, I'll try and find one for you. That's all right. Uh, and uh, Nintendo Life uh, had a good article just about the third generation. They noted that the third gen of Pokemon has a very different feel from the other two generations that came before it, because almost all of the 135 new Pokemon, save for Azeril and Why Not, uh, have no relation of the previous generations. And I kind of forgot about that. Maybe that's why I didn't have as much of a attachment as well to this generation, mm -hmm. because, yeah, there's not really evolutions in here, just, like, new Pokemon, which is good and bad. Yeah, I, I can see that. I know that, like, the designs of the third generation of Pokemon bothered me a little bit more um also th this was the first generation to me that felt like the the jump into the game boy advance generation uh was not quite as big of a leap as from pokemon yellow or pokemon red to pokemon gold and silver like we got the day and night cycle you got pokemon they moved in their animations like it just felt like a way more dynamic game i didn't feel like it was quite as dynamic in in ruby and, and sapphire i played emerald but it's basically a combination of the two uh, you know, like the graphics are obviously improved, but it just, it just feels like we're getting into the cutesy tone of Pokemon now where it's all daytime. Everything's all bright and pastels. Everyone's <laughs> colorful. Everyone's happy. Even, even if they're evil, they're all happy. <laughs> um, I guess for me, that was really the biggest disconnect was mm. just that like, it didn't like so much, it didn't do much new for me. Yeah. And that's very fair. That's very fair. Uh, yeah. and Neil, do you have a favorite Pokemon from this gen? From this gen? You see that there's... I can't name nearly as many as I could from the, the first or the second gen, but uh, I really like Wailord. I think he's really neat. Uh, actually, most of the fish Pokemon in this generation are really cool. Like, they added a shark. Like, I love sharks. Um, I forget the name. Shark Sharkpedo? Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> no, it's not they, they, <laughs> they added Sharknado to this generation, which was really cool. But no, I, I, I just love the idea of this giant Pokemon, uh, yeah. Wailord, being just unbelievably huge. Uh, not really 
not really uh, usable for like anything in fighting. It's just really cool to just have this Pokemon to, uh, to to surf around. It would be really fun. How about you, Mike? Do you have a favorite Pokemon from this gen? Yeah, for me, it was always Blaziken. I love Blaziken. I had a little Blaziken mm. figurine that I got for birthday or Christmas or something. Someone gave it to me. So I always, always liked him because of that. And um, cool. I, I do love Sableye as well. Big Sableye oh, yeah. fan. Uh, I, I just like Sableye because he's always good in battle. He's like a trickster, basically. So he has all mm. these weird moves that you can fool people with. Uh, Groudon as well was pretty good. Deoxys. Uh, there, there's there's quite a, a few good ones, but there's... For me, at least, there just aren't that many memorable ones in this uh, right. in this generation, like you said. It, it's funny how when you stop watching the show, how quickly you don't learn the characters' names, like the Pokemon's <laughs> names. When you're watching yeah. the show, you hear them repeated over and over and over again. And then when you stop hearing that, it's like, well, what's this guy's name? How do you pronounce it? It's <laughs> so weird how that happens. Yeah. But here we are in our late 20s, not being able to pr- pronounce... Uh, Blaziken or whatever. <laughs> well, Neil, I think it's time now to bring on some guests to talk about Colosseum and uh, Gale of Darkness. But before we do that, let's introduce the games. Sure, let's do that. So the two games that we're talking about today are Pokemon Colosseum, which was released on March 22nd, 2004. The game was developed by Genius Sonority, published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company. This is a GameCube exclusive, rates 7.5 out of 10, Priced today at $150, this is an RPG, and it's the ninth best-selling game on the GameCube, selling 2.4 million copies. Followed up with Pokemon XD, that stands for Extra Dimension, Gale of Darkness, was released on September 28, 2005, also developed by Genius Sonority, published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, another GameCube exclusive, rates between a 6 and a 7 out of 10, priced today at around $200, and this was the 21st best-selling GameCube game just behind Twilight Princess and right before the Sonic Mega Collection, which is funny. Uh, each one of these games takes about 25 to 28 hours to beat, which is around, I think, the same time as the mainline Pokemon games on your handheld console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both like mm-hmm. both RPGs still both have the RPG um, story elements in them. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the price. You know, I just want to say, talk about mm-hmm. that before we have guests on. $200 for XD, $150 for Coliseum. Friend of the show, Dan... Uh, he, uh, we, him and I were at a, like a garage sale. I was at a church garage sale or something like that. And, uh, I, out of the corner of my eye saw, uh, underneath a bunch of stuff, a GameCube game. And I looked, I was like, I kind of pointed to Dan. I was like, Dan, what is that? And he picked it up and saw that it was Pokemon Coliseum for a solid 50 cents. I, I could not believe it. Yeah. He just asked the girl there. He's like, excuse me, how much, how much are you selling this for? And she was like, eh, 50 cents. (laughs) Yep. Done deal. Uh, done deal right there. I don't know if there was a manual in it or not, but... Uh, I don't think there was, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's possibly the greatest video game transaction I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy that he like just basically made a profit of $100 at least. <laughs> oh, easily. Yeah. But By you, today's standards, like $149.50 apparently. I know, I know. But yeah, that was, that was a great story. I love telling that, uh, the fact that he got that. XD being 200 I can understand why. One of the reasons I did look into why these games were so expensive, and I know obviously that just having the Pokemon name on mm-hmm. them help, but you know that could be said for the Zelda games, which are you know not always you know most of them don't go over eighty dollars uh, for mm-hmm. the Twilight Princess or Wind Waker. So I did a little bit of research of why are these so expensive, and the name helps but the one of the big reasons was that the they didn't really get much more pressings after the first wave so right. people bought the 2 million copies and then that was it 
where a lot mm-hmm. of games get second, third, tertiary press- pressings. This one only got the one pressing. Uh, and right. I thought that was really interesting. So that was one of the reasons why both these games are quite hard to find. And of course, XD is uh, more expensive because it rates higher and it also sold quite a bit less than uh, Coliseum. Exactly. And it's on GameCube, which uh, gives it another bump again. Uh, I think that these games uh, rating wise are a bit inflated because they are Pokemon games. If they weren't Pokemon games, I think that they would have rated a little bit lower. We can talk about that more uh, towards the end of the episode. And just a quick uh, brief summary on Genius Sonority. We've never heard from them and we will never hear from them again (laughs) after today. Uh, They were created in 2001 to develop Pokemon games for Nintendo. They've made a total of eight Pokemon games in the last uh, 20 or so years. The staff was originally made up of ex-Dragon Quest developers. They also developed games in the Denpa Man series, which I believe is a Japanese-only series. They've also made one Dragon Quest game. They made a random Tinkerbell game based on the Disney character. The most interesting one for me is that they made a DS game called 100 Classic Book Collection, which is literally a collection of 100 public domain books that you can read on your DS. So you get like a lot of (laughs) Shakespeare and Charles Dickens books. Wow, that's really interesting. Although I would never, ever want to read a book on a DS. No, oh my God, no, I saw that. (laughs) People did read on the DS though. That's an entirely different topic. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, interesting uh, company there. And um, like I said, we're not going to hear from them. Again, these are the only two games that they put on the GameCube. They did a pretty all right job, but uh, we have some guests joining us today to talk about them. But first, a message from one of our sponsors. Starting February 1st, the Little Root Karate Dojo will be reopening to the general public. Sign up now for socially distanced classes led by our certified trainers, Blazikin, Hitmonchan, and Hitmon Lee. Kids 6 to 11 classes are now available. The Wabafet punching bags will remain open for appointments only. Birthday parties? Check out the new Lugia Pinata. Little Root Dojo is not responsible for children turning into shadow Pokemon. Come on down today. All right, Neil. Well, joining us today, we have two guests coming on at the same time. Haven't done this for a while. Uh, It's going to be fun. But uh, we have uh, Harrison from the show Harrison. This is his, uh, I think, 12th appearance on the show. He's he's got the all-time record so far. And uh, also on the show is Enemy of the Pod slash one-time co-host Ramon. Welcome to the pod, everybody. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you again. Hey, Ramon. Thank you so much for taking over for me uh, for that one 15-minute segment there. Really appreciated you uh, hosting the show for that brief period of time. I'm going to have to respectively uh, take back my my title as uh, co-host of the GameCube School podcast. You know what? That's okay. I'm, I'm glad that I had the chance to. Um, clearly, some of us have to work a bit harder to get onto the co-host level, Harrison. Ooh. <laughs> a lot of 12 times. <laughs> Still just the guest, you know. <laughs> sorry my bro- my brother came in and whatnot so i didn't hear what you said sorry <laughs> wow wow Hunter. it probably was it probably wasn't important though wow okay let's move let's, on. well let's move on and we do have a question for both of you uh because obviously you have been here before so we don't need to do our standard questions but the question for this episode is what is your favorite third gen pokemon we'll start with harrison uh, favorite third gen Pokemon has to be Rayquaza. Mm. Mm. From the hit sitcom, everybody loves Rayquaza. I was about to say, afterwards, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but afterwards, Rayquaza lives with his family mm. in New York City. I'm more of a fan of that So Rayquaza, where he's in high school. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and he can see into the future. You know, that that's a good show. That you little really nasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon, what's your favorite uh, third gen Pokemon? Do you have one? Uh, they all suck, but I think if I had to pick one, uh, Spoink. Spoink's my favorite. Spoink. Excuse me. What is Spoink? I don't. I don't remember that one. He's a pig. Oh, he's it's a, a pig. pig. It's a pig. Yeah. yeah, it's a pig, but it's also like a spring. And I think the reason why I like it, I think I was reading some index that said that it has to keep hopping, or else the heart will stop. So pretty metal. That that's that's pretty <clears throat> hardcore. When did when did Vanillite come in? Is he a Gen Four, Gen Five? I think Vanillite might be Gen the Four. The ice cream cone. That's like my yeah. favorite Pokemon aside from Charmander. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an ice cream cone. Like, what use is this? <laughs> anyway, anyways, we are here, of course, to talk about Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Ramon, I know you have only played Coliseum and not Gale of Darkness, but as Harrison will tell you, and and we will as well, they're they're very similar games. So we're gonna talk about them together. Sounds good. First of all, Coliseum. Ramon, what was the the first memory you have about playing this game? Was it just me or I thought the, I thought I was buying Pokemon Stadium 3 and not like an adventure story. Yep. Yeah, I think that that was a big issue with these games was just trying to differentiate them from the Stadium 1 and 2 from N64, which are still phenomenal games to play today. Graphically, if you can look past the N64 graphics, like mo- moving on to a Coliseum game, but also trying to communicate the fact that this was the first RPG on console was kind of difficult to do. And I think that they probably should have gotten away from the stadium Coliseum tagline, or I guess subtitle, they should have gone with something a little bit different. Um, Like XD Gale of darkness is a little bit strange, but better at at least explaining that it's not going to be a game that you're just going to play multiplayer for. This is a game that it's going to have a story and everything, which Coliseum did have. But when this game came out Coliseum, I honestly thought that it was just Pokemon stadium three. I'm with Ramon on that. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for the same thing. Like, I wanted to play mini-games. I wanted to battle my friends. Right. That's that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that was the main issue of this game, really, is the fact that most kids didn't even know a story existed in this game. Uh, personally, for me, I didn't know a story existed until I played this game as an adult. Yeah, it was the same for me. Like, even going back to the GameCube library and, like, looking at Pokemon Coliseum and XD and then the stadium games on N64, like, whenever we had parties in college especially, we never thought about playing Coliseum as a a multiplayer game. I've heard a different side, too, that the Coliseum games, like, people didn't know that the multiplayer was in there until way later. They only thought it was a single-player game. Oh, wow. There's, like, two camps there where some people thought that it was a multiplayer-only game and some people thought it was a single-player-only game. And, uh, yeah, but, um, uh, what did you guys play more of Harrison and Ramon? Did you go, were you guys more into the single player, uh, part of the game or did you just play this game to, uh, to battle against friends? For me, it was definitely battling against, uh, my friends for sure. Like I, I played the story and you know what, I'll give them credit for trying to do something, something a little different outside that, that Pokemon formula and, and create an RPG. But the whole thing that drew me in, especially with my friends, was the ability to hook up my Game Boy Advance to the GameCube and mm-hmm. pretty much upload all my Pokemon into this Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge that was a huge part of it. And one of the few times that the Game Boy Advance connector actually was used properly, in my opinion. 
Yeah, it was. Unfortunately, you needed to have the link cable and a copy of a Game Boy Advance game, but most people had Pokemon games with their Game Boy Advance anyway, so the barrier to entry, even though it was as bad as some of the other games, it didn't seem quite as egregious because it's Pokemon, you're a Nintendo fan, you're going to buy those things anyway. Uh, So it was really cool, and I think that we talked about this about a year ago in our last Pokemon episode, but this is kind of the way that you can kind of backdoor moving Pokemon up from generation to generation uh, by going through, it was on the Pokemon channel, or the Pokemon Pokemon Box specifically, mm-hmm. uh, but if you only uploaded them to Colosseum and uh, XD Gale of Dark- Darkness, you couldn't move them up to, uh, I think it was all the way up until Shield, uh, Sword and Shield yeah, even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a really neat, uh, really neat thing to do back in the day, for sure. So I'm not most people. I never had a uh, Game Boy Advance, so I only played <gasps> this game as is solo. I didn't realize <laughs> that there was multiplayer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah, so someone as someone who n- hasn't played or didn't play the Gen three before playing this, so confusing. I didn't know any Pokemon, what the types yeah. were, all these new mechanics, very confusing. So, um, I think maybe that's why I wrote off that generation because I my first experience was through Coliseum, and Coliseum yes had a story, but it was hard. This is a hard game. This is a really hard game. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up. Like the the actual plot and the story itself and everything very edgy for one super edgy game uh this was like a direct reaction from nintendo or from uh the developers and the publishers to say hey you know this is the gamecube generation this is when we're targeting mature audiences no more this cute pokemon style uh instead of having a pikachu by your side you're gonna have um not flareon espeon i think you start off with um umbreon and espeon are your two starter pokemon which is pretty neat you don't start off with like little little dinky uh, monkey or something like that. You don't start level off with... Level 25s, the, I think, too. Level 25, some of the better uh, evolutions of Eevees. Uh, I have kind of an issue with people saying that this is, like, edgy Pokemon. Like, it does have, like, a tone of being edgy, but it instantly goes to just being a kiddish Pokemon game not long after that. <laughs> uh, it's kind of my biggest issue with Pokemon games generally is just that they are kitty at the end of the day. I, but th- the difficulty of this game can't be understated. It is hard. Uh, the post-game stuff is a little bit easier. But like Ramon said, this was his only touchstone to Pokemon, and I don't know if it would be a great ex- – I don't know how great an experience it could be because the handheld Pokemon games, like the mainline Pokemon games, really – you could jump into any of those and probably have a fine time. Like you don't need to play Red and Blue to understand mm-hmm. like Emerald or something like that. Yeah. Um, but these these games, you really did need to – it's kind of the first time where you needed to have some past experience with Pokemon to know what was going on because it does start off – right away with this this underground kind of organization being uh attacked with like bombs and stuff and you're the you're like the the anti-hero i guess of this world and then you're getting right into the fights and there aren't even that many pokemon that you can fight in coliseum i think there's only less than 50 i think that you can capture the the shadow pokemon yeah the shadow pokemon compared to like if you owned ruby and sapphire you could you could get all the pokemon in these games if you just own both of those and and trade with the siblings so it's quite a bit of a change from the the uh the handheld rpgs but they added my favorite mechanic stealing Mm. (laughs) yes yeah well let's talk about that because in in these games you don't go around like into the woods and capture a a pidgey and go into the the caves and ignore all the zubats you kind of just battle uh battle other trainers and steal their pokemon so ramon talk to us about that what 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 was capturing pokemon like snagging Mm -hmm. i believe they called it 
Yeah, it's funny because I think, I don't know what came first, if it was this or, you know, I don't know if you guys played like the ROMs or emulators where you can enter cheat codes where you could essentially steal other, like actual trainers Pokemon. <laughs> no. I used to do that a lot. And then I'm like, oh, they made it into a real game, which is Pokemon Coliseum, where you can just steal, <laughs> steal uh, other po people's Pokemon. But I kind of like it. I kind of agree with Neil that your standard mainstream Pokemon games are very kiddish and like you can't really mess with the formula. I like this format because it limits the amount of um, Pokemon you can catch. So you have to be kind of really strategic with what you, uh, what kind of team you build. And your Pokemon can only learn specific moves, right? Like I remember that if they are, if you don't purify them, which you have to do after you snag them, they can only use one specific move. You have to take them. There's like specific ways of purifying them. I think you have to like battle with them, give them massages. Use them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to take the Pokemon back to like a certain healing station to get them purified, and then you can use all of their moves. So it's just very different from the from the other games. I can just only imagine being lost. Uh, but for like a first time 3D Pokemon game, like I, I think of like the first 3D Mario being an absolute classic on 64, the first 3D Metroid being Metroid Prime being an absolute classic, Ocarina of Time. I don't feel like that they kind of transitioned into the 3d world as well as the other nintendo franchises did do you guys feel that way or no i personally don't think they they aged well to be quite honest though again giving the attempt to to transition into the 3d world was was pretty cool i think it could have been could have been done a lot a lot better yeah and i think like honestly for me uh when i think of my great memories of uh pokemon uh coliseum ranks quite low uh, uh, it's it Pokemon Stadium. I mean, Harrison and I played that uh back in the day too, playing on N sixty four in uh, in college, and like that Pokemon Stadium just so fun because you can play these mini games endlessly, and there's that great part about it. And I feel the multiplayer is even stronger in in Stadium. I don't know if you agree there, Harrison. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. Again, yes, you're only limited to your one hundred and fifty Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go in and, and pick your Pokemon. Sure, you can't upload your your roster from red or blue or yellow into the game, but uh, I, I think the battling is is much better. The and of course, like the mini games as well too. Just the the multiplayer in general. And I think yes, this is more can be more of a one player game, but with Pokemon, it's not really multiplayer unless you had like that link cable, right? Mm -hmm. Like switching from like the Game Boy to, to the the n64 or to the gamecube so this being able to play it on the multiplayer like platform such as like the n64 you know i'm hoping for more you know battles more more mini games stuff like that which i didn't necessarily get with the gamecube compared to the n64 yeah no, i totally agree with that i i don't know about you guys but pl uh, playing it again this week uh, sound sound design i thought was really good the music was really really nice yeah, every time, what's his name? The the one trainer with the fro? Oh. <laughs> oh, the disco-obsessed guy? He yeah. was like the leader yeah. of the gang? <laughs> the best character for disco sure. Disco stew of the Pokemon world? <laughs> I mean, I'd say the music was really good. Like, even, like, the overworld, um, when you were, looking like, in a scuzzy town, I forget the places that are called, but the, I found the music to be... Uh, match well with the settings most of the time yeah it's a, it's it's a pretty cool setting too it's uh it actually reminds me a little bit of sword and shield a bit of a steampunk environment uh it's you're in the desert which i thought was was a, a different region to explore i got big final fantasy vibes from this for sure mm -hmm. like, yeah uh final fantasy yeah. VII. yes yeah and yeah. and i hadn't played final fantasy as a kid so going back to it as an adult like going back to 
uh, Pokemon uh, Coliseum as an adult now, knowing Final Fantasy, I was like, oh, I see the inspiration here. Yeah, the developers, uh, Genius uh, Sonority, the the development company, they were actually all ex uh, Dragon Quest developers, and they said openly that that these games were heavily influenced by Final Fantasy VII and Persona Two. Uh, I definitely agree that the um, the music in oh, every Pokemon game, really, I can't complain about the music in yeah. any of them. Even even the spinoffs like the Stadium and Snap and Puzzle League and all of these games, they all they're all really good. Uh, for me, I, I really would have liked to have seen some voice acting in this one, even if it was just in the cutscenes, uh, like like in the intros. Like I would love to just hear these characters speak, or at least some of the dialogue to be a little bit more, like you said, Mike. These games are meant to be a bit more edgy, a bit more mature, but they don't talk. They're they're not communicating with each other like they're edgy or anything. Like it's all very like an elementary level reading, uh, reading level, which is fine. Like like these games are for kids at the end of the day. But like at one point I was playing uh, Gale of Darkness and one of the dialogue or like you're having a conversation with a character and uh, the, one of the characters asks, "Oh, who's that guy?" And uh, a sort of like a I guess a dialogue box popped up and it just said you explain to this person who that other person is like it skips over an entire conversation (laughs) and i was like could you not have like included some kind of conversation here did you have to put that in because like you think of you know other games with silent protagonists like like zelda and metroid like these games Mm -hmm. none of these characters talk and when they do that they don't talk for very long which is fine but like in in this in these pokemon games you're having a big open world big open world game you're the couple of not kids even though they all look like they're still 11 like it's like oh you're not playing as a 10 year old but y'all look like you're 10 like just give these guys something to say i don't know like it just felt like it was empty and it's a lot of i feel like i'm complaining about reading in a video game but it felt like it's just a lot of reading and then and then like it doesn't it's like the conversations just don't go anywhere i don't know it, it just felt like it was missing voice acting for me I agree with like the conversations not going anywhere and stuff but like i don't know i i i don't have a lot of uh, hope for great voice acting in a Pokemon game. I feel like it would have helped though, because some of these character models look downright awful. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> in XD Gala Darkness, like you're looking for your sister and she's horrifying looking like this blue haired character. Her eyes are like <laughs> halfway down her face. They're too far apart. Like at least give her like some kind of like a voice of a, you know, a voice actress who's well known in the anime space, like Tara Strong, give her Tara Strong some voice acting. She needs some work. Uh, give it to her. She, she needs more work. <laughs> give that role to her. And like, you know, just, it might help like me look past this freaky looking character. And you know, if they have like a cool voice or at least something a little memorable, like otherwise like Ash Ketchum, like he just looks like a boy, but we all know Ash Ketchum's voice now after years of imitating him and hearing him in commercials and everything. Like it just helps yeah. if they have yeah. a voice behind them. That's fair. That's fair. For So for XD, uh, Harrison, you did play XD, of course. And what are your thoughts about XD compared to uh, Coliseum? Yeah, the uh, again, the whole idea of, of Shadow Pokemon is cool. You know, it's a different take. The purifying of them, you know, in the first game and in XD as well, too. You know what? I think that you don't have to purify them. I feel like they, if they want to stay evil, let them be. <laughs> um, I would say the big thing, though, or something I only realized until recently is the, the Poke spots that were in XD. Mm-hmm. That's you know, where you go through the game and you can go to different Pokestop or Pokespots throughout the game. And in there, you know, you can pick up snacks in the area to catch wild Pokemon. And it's pretty similar to what we see now in Pokemon Go, you know, with yep. the Pokestops and with the lures and everything, which I thought is pretty cool, you know, connecting the dots there. But honestly, again, for me, I just want my battle game. I want my mini games. 
Yeah. You know, I'm again, I'm glad that you're trying to give me something different, something new, but I just want the same thing over and over again. I, th- I think XD does a much better job of just the, the, the general gameplay mechanics. You know, it is definitely a direct sequel, like we said. And I think just overall the shadow Pokemon this time, uh, what is it? Because they what happens in Coliseum, we haven't really talked about this, but in Coliseum, uh, I don't know if you remember Ramon, but it's really annoying because the the shadow Pokemon only have one move. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. They can only do their one shadow ball or whatever it is, and they hurt their, themselves when they do that, which makes it really annoying to try and catch them sometimes because they end up killing themselves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that was that I hated, and so it was nice to see XD. They kind of got rid of that. They made it way less tedious and way less of a grind. Um, mm-hmm. The shadow Pokemon actually have more, like have a bigger move set. Uh, they seem like actual characters rather than just these like shells of Pokemon and. The, the graphics look better. The character models look better. Dark Lugia or Shadow Lugia is in it. So come on. Like, everybody loves Lugia. And Shadow Lugia is such a badass, uh, badass character. Can I tell you how I'd fix this game? <gasps> yes. So the issue with Pokemon, like all Pokemon, or this game and all other Pokemon games is I don't care about the pets. <laughs> so like, I think what they're trying to do with this game and Gale of Darkness is that you know, to purify them and open their hearts and blah, 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 blah. We have to, like, build some kind of connection with them. But you can't do that if they're not part of the plot or, like, there's no interaction besides um, the battle sequence where, but they're not really engaging with your your main characters. So I think if they took, like, a, you know, traditional, like, RPG approach and, like, they actually integrated some of these Pokemon into the plot. And, you, and with this format, you do only have a handful so that you don't have to worry about, like, a really too much of an expanding plot. That can give, you know, players a bit more incentive to, like, care about, you know, purifying them and actually putting them on their team. That's my issue with Pokemon. I don't care about... I can catch a bazillion <laughs> types of espions, you know, to find the perfect IV and, like... <laughs> but, like, I don't care. They're just... At that point, yeah. they're just, like, eggs. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think you're you're absolutely right, especially for Coliseum. Because Coliseum is just battling, like, over and over and over and over again. And if you love battling, mm-hmm. like, sure, I guess. It gets, like, for me, it was it was a grind. And I do like battling. But it, it, it really takes a toll on you. Because you're right, there is, like, just the story and then battling. There's no interaction with the actual Pokemon or any any sub-story in that sense either. I think Gale of Darkness goes, does a little bit more, but not much. One thing I really like that Gale of Darkness did was what Harrison mentioned quickly was with the baiting, leaving bait out for Pokemon and letting them come to you instead of every five seconds getting, uh, hitting them in the grass and fighting a Rattatat. Like that's, that's what I hate about the original Pokemon games, getting hit with, uh, these random encounters all the time. Like that mm-hmm. I hated. Uh, so Coliseum went too far where you have no encounters. Right. And I think Dark- Gale of Darkness did a little bit of a nice like mix having at least some encounters and you can kind of choose them. I like what they're doing now with the the new game uh, Arceus where you can see the Pokémon in the wild so it's not like yes. a random encounter, you can see the because like, that was really the frustrating part for me with the older games is that the field that you're walking through looks empty but then you know you're walking through it and then you all of a sudden you're you're fighting a Kangaskhan. It's like, I should have been able to see the grass moving or something. <laughs> you know, I feel like something should have been, there should have been a hint here or something. But uh, yeah. so at least there's, they're finally getting around to adding that in. I think that because the whole purpose of these games was to kind of add a story to 
to the stadium games that uh, like N64 fans like Harrison and I liked as a kid. You know, we liked to have the, these games to, you know, you pick your six Pokemon, you fight against your sibling and you each, you know, you randomly pick your six and, you know, you don't look while I'm picking my six Pokemon. That was like the fun thing to do is <laughs> yeah. like, turn around, you know, don't look at me. Um, that, 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 I love doing that. So I think that what they could have done with the with Coliseum and XD would be to when you purify the heart of this Pokemon, have it be like a Smash Bros. Ultimate thing where now that Pokemon is usable in the multiplayer mode. So if you want to unlock all whatever Pokemon we're at at this point now, like 400 Pokemon in this game, if you want to unlock all 400 Pokemon in the stadium mode, you have to purify them in the main game. Uh, otherwise, you can't play as them because in, in Stadium 1, and I don't know if it happened in Stadium 2, but all 150 Pokemon are automatically unlocked. So it would be fun to right. have a game where you have to go around, you have to beat this story, you have to go find all the Pokemon in the wild, bring them back to the stadium, and then you can fight with them in multiplayer. I think that would have been pretty neat, actually. Um, but instead, we got like 45 Pokemon in the uh, in Colosseum, 83 Pokemon in Gale of Darkness, and really no in, in incentive to do any of that for the multiplayer, at least. Have either of you, well, we'll start with Ramon. Ramon, have you gotten back into Pokemon at all? Has this Was this one of the last times that you, you experienced the Pokemon world? I'm not talking about Pokemon Go, just, just this this world. Uh, yeah, so I think I dropped off at this generation, then I picked it back up at X and Y, which I hated, and then I picked up the Alolan ones, because it's Hawaii. <laughs> uh, sun and moon pokemon yeah. sun and moon yes that's so you've only you've only played you've only played the one gamecube rpg uh coliseum and then the two 3ds games yeah and i've played like um the what's the like the mystery dungeon i like that franchise oh, yeah. Um, yeah okay but in terms of mainline yeah those are the only ones i really play yeah mystery dungeon actually uh, underrated uh series it's pretty good and i think they are still making games for it which is pretty cool that one has a plot, and that one I care about. <laughs> there you go. Because you are the Pokemon. You are the characters. Yeah, I know. I, I, I That's why I like it. Uh, Harrison, what about you? Yeah, after that game, I also fell off a little bit. Actually, it was in 2016. There was just a point where I didn't have any work. So I ended up racking up a lot of hours of Pokemon Black and Pokemon White and, of course, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Nice. Um, and then recently, oh, yes, the summer of Harrison. <laughs> oh, it was great. My, I, I caught so many Pokemon. I literally caught them all. Um, and then over this past Christmas, I played Pokemon Snap for the Switch, nice. which is my my type of game right there. Love it. You just sit there, chill out, put on a good good record, take pictures of Pokemon. I stand by that. That that is by far the best looking 3D Pokemon game that we've ever seen. Like the models in that game, it's not made by uh game freak pokemon snap 2 i can't remember who makes it now but whichever company developed that game needs to just be in charge of making pokemon games going forward because they, they nailed it like the environments all look beautiful it's slightly cel-shaded the pokemon are all like also cute and they're all in they're all interacting with their environments which i always have an issue with with the the rpgs the pokemon just kind of look dead like they're just standing there like mannequins and like waiting for you to tell them what to do uh glad you picked it up though that that's really cool uh, the rating system in that game was weird, but uh, I got over it eventually. The one thing that throws you off in that game is the actual size of Pokemon. You don't realize mm -hmm. how big they were because they tell you the size of them, like in the Pokedex or, mm -hmm. you know, when you're on the back or on the Pokemon uh, card, but you don't really like put that in this perspective, right? Yeah, because in battles, they're just all the same size, basically. Yeah. yeah. I and then I was like, taking a photo of what's Chikorita's um, evolution, the final one, Magnium or something like that. 
Magnum? I don't know. <laughs> the, wait, the chicken? No. Yeah, it's like Magnum PI. Either way, that thing is freaking massive. I'm like, holy shit, that thing's huge. I didn't realize how big it was. <laughs> yeah, like you finally come across a whale a whale lord in, in, in person and it just about breaks your switch because it just, the frame rate dips to like two. <laughs> M- Meganium. Meganium. That's there it. we go. I prefer Magnum PI. <laughs> yeah. Meganium <laughs> PI. Wait, can I tell you my embarrassing Pokemon um, game I played at one point? Uh, yes, sure. that's why we have this podcast. It kind of goes with Neil's idea about like unlocking Pokemon and having them playable. So if anyone had a 3DS or, or I think even on mobile, they had this game called Pokemon Rumble. And essentially okay. it was mm-hmm. a cash grab in microtransactions. Great. And I spent over $150 <laughs> on microtransactions wow. to collect these little bobbleheads. <laughs> no, so no. The, I think the thing is it's a kind of like a dungeon, a mini dungeon crawler where you like go around and like fight Pokemon. Um, and then if you like, uh, if they like drop a trophy, then you can play them. Like you can use them in your roster. So um, it was embarrassing. I had to spend one hundred and fifty dollars on microtransactions. So, so this is po- this is Pokemon <laughs> NFTs. Like what is this? Poketes. Not yet, but I think that we kind of have these uh, these uh, mobile Pokemon games to kind of blame for not seeing more games like Gale of Darkness and, and Colosseum because mm-hmm. Pokemon. Nintendo make billions of dollars on the the regular RPGs that we see from on, Ramon from Ramon on well the handhelds I was gonna say from friends of the show oh, like I like see. Dan and Brandon, <laughs> uh, but then they also have their mobile space uh, where they find uh, people like Ramon who will spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars <laughs> on Pokemon Go or Pokemon Rumble. So there's really no incentive to make these big sprawling RPGs because the the, the mm-hmm. tried and true formula that they've been doing since 1998 works, and clearly the mobile market works as well. So it's kind of like why why should we put all this money into the into these uh these big rpgs that really only sold less than two million copies back in the 2000s so thanks ramon for uh for for giving money to uh, to the mobile market we really needed that it was a dark time you guys leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for mobile games guys mm. this is the mobile game podcast mobile games but... were cool <laughs> i also like how we all return to pokemon during our darkest times yeah that's that's when pokemon is comforting you know it it, it was funny when everyone kind of got back into pokemon for pokemon go because mm-hmm. that was like i never really experienced something where i was already doing it basically and everyone's like pokemon remember this i was like yes i never left <laughs> if that was the antithesis of like current times that would be pokemon go somewhere yeah yeah <laughs> Like staying out, meeting new people, and just like, oh hey, there's a virtual Onyx over there. Like, let's go get it. <laughs> Breathe on each other's devices. Jump into your cars. Go out <laughs> to these parks. Oh, well, yeah. it was great having you two to come on the podcast once again. Is there is there anything else? We'll start with Ramon uh, about Pokemon Coliseum or Gale of Darkness, that, or just Pokemon in general that you would like to like to say before we let you go. Yeah, there's a friendly reminder to all the adults playing Pokemon. It's a kids game, so don't complain that it's easy. Let it go. Move on. Thank you. Harrison? I don't think I can top that. That was fantastic. Well, I mean, uh, other than Harrison probably saying everyone go buy an N64 and play Stadium and Snap, uh, I think that's uh, that, that wraps it up for you, wraps it up for uh, this segment of the show. But thank you very much again, guys. Uh, always appreciate you coming on. And um, Ramon, appreciate you uh, you telling embarrassing stories. Uh, that's, that's what we're here for. My pain is your pleasure. Wow. 
beautiful. No, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. We really, we really love talking to you guys about Pokemon and all the memories around the mobile games, the N64 games. Uh, but, Mike, I think we still have one more caller left today, so uh, why don't we let these guys go, and we'll uh, bring them on. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What nice young men. What nice young men. Thank you, Ramon and Harrison, for coming on today. Uh, mm-hmm. talking about some Pokemon, talking about some embarrassing stories, talking about uh, new Pokemon as well of Snap 2, which um, I, we didn't, we haven't really talked about Snap that much, Neil, because it's it's funny how this era really was dominated actually by, you know, any, I, I'd say even before Red and Blue or around that, that time, it was more dominated by these side project Pokemon games like stadiums like gala darkness coliseum snap like there were so many coming out even uh uh pokemon pinball we talked about that earlier on too yeah yeah the pokemon spinoffs are super successful and very interesting sometimes i actually think i prefer the spinoffs to the mainline games and i'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who agree with me like like you said pokemon snap was as much as i played pokemon red blue yellow gold and silver when i was in from kindergarten to grade three, I would say I played Pokemon Snap way too much, considering that there were only <laughs> fifty-five Pokemon really in that not game. That much to do <laughs> there's really that not game. that much to do, and even Pokemon Stadium, like yeah, there's a lot to do, yeah. but like the game is pretty much unlocked right when you start it, other than maybe unlocking a couple mini games. But still, we we had a ton of fun every night, you know, swapping out controllers, picking different teams, uh, making different difficulties on Stadium to be like, oh, you can only pick uh, first evolution Pokemon or. Or, oh, you can only pick bug types or something. Like, like just doing stuff like that was super fun. And I love I loved the spinoffs, and I completely fell off. Like, in high school, we talk about you and I took a big break. So, really, the DS and the, the Wii generation, I completely missed out on the Pokemon games especially. So, I have no idea what was happening. But uh, I know that, like, the Mystery Dungeon games and, and, like I said, the Puzzle Leagues were all really popular. So... Uh, love those games and I'm glad that they still do them too even though that they are being sub- subjected to mobile for the most part like Pokemon Go and mm. and Rumble and even Pokemon Unite seems to be uh, picking up some steam as well. I honestly prefer these games to most of the mainline yeah. if not all of the mainline Pokemon games mm-hmm. which is can you imagine any other franchise that that has like side projects basically as arguably better sometimes than the, the mainline like it's it's, it's just uh, that they crazy. do different things like yeah. if you play a pokemon now you're playing really the same game as you were back in 1998 like i know that there are some differences you know there's new pokemon there's experience shares there's breeding and new gyms and everything but really like the, the formula did get stale for me quite a long time ago unfortunately i wish that i could get excited for you know sword and shield that came out a couple of years ago and Arceus does look pretty neat i think i might end up picking that up uh, eventually not at launch i mean it's closer to this yeah really like it's closer to what we're talking about here we'll talk about it at the end of the episode with with that but yeah sounds good uh, but uh, before we get to the end of the episode mike we have one more caller joining us today so uh why don't you introduce them to the show sure sure we have megan joining us for the first time ever uh megan uh, as a first time caller we do have to ask you one question and that is did you own a gamecube back in the day I did. I actually still have it. I brought it out with me to Vancouver. I purchased like the extra controllers off of Craigslist so I can still play like (laughs) Smash with my friends from time to time. So yeah, I I was a GameCube fan and I still am to this day. Nice. Is that is that the only console that you have set up at your at your place or do you have like any modern consoles? I mean, my boyfriend brought some sort of PlayStation into the apartment when we moved in together, but I don't, I don't claim that one. Okay, nice. Yeah, we don't. Not, we don't... not as cool as a GameCube. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> Sweet. And then a follow up question to that: 
did you get a memory card with the GameCube when you first got it? Well, of course. You need one to play, right? You do. It's, but but you'll be surprised that most people who come on actually did not get a memory card with the GameCube because their parents had no idea if, that mm-hmm. you needed a memory card. So a lot of people had to play through, you know, the first 30 minutes of these games over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> If you had an NES, which, you know, the game saved to, if you're lucky, the game saved to the cartridge, SNES, same thing, N64, same thing. All of a sudden, you're getting your kid this GameCube and it's discs and you think, okay, you know, just like before, you don't need a, what's a memory card? And then all of a sudden, your game is restarting every time you start up again. (laughs) It was not common knowledge back in 2001 that you needed these things if you were a parent who did not read Nintendo Power like we were doing. (laughs) Yeah, and then you could, like, I guess, like, have multiple cards and, like, explore having different, like things going on in each game that's right that's right yep Yep. yeah exactly good times good times and then our last question to start you off here is who was your favorite gen 3 pokemon i feel like my my first favorite was probably blaziken um yeah just because i picked like torchek as my starter and when she like evolved to her full form i don't know blaziken's like really cool looking right and like mine just happened Mm -hmm. to be female and like you know how it's like a a less a lower chance that you'll get a female as your starter just for because that's how they set it up. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up doing martial arts, right? So when it fully evolved into Blaziken, I was like, oh, this is so cool. She's like a woman, a fighter, like she's strong. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like I like connected with that element of the Pokemon in that way. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I I also love Blaziken. Blaziken also just is a great name, like just a, just a nice yeah. poignant name. A lot of Pokemon's names are not great sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> Blaziken like feels, yeah, very powerful for sure. Like seal. <laughs> and I like the type mixture too, like fire and fighting. Like, yeah, very, very feisty Pokemon. Yeah, nice feisty Pokemon mm-hmm. for sure. And then just like Pokemon in general for you, how how did you get into it? What's your timeline with uh, with this franchise? So like I was I was an only child um, growing up. So I remember we went on a plane ride to England for like a family wedding, and I was six years old. And my parents bought me a GameCube because they were really worried I was gonna like make a fuss the entire flight and wouldn't run the car and stuff. So they basically bought me this like Game Boy to shut me up. And I had like Pokemon Yellow as my first one. And like, I was just, I was just hooked. Like I watched the anime and stuff, but once you get into the game, like that's where the real kind of, that's where it lives, right? Like that's, it's Mm -hmm. so complex. There's so many layers you can get so into it. Um, So I ended up getting blue and red after that. But then when gold and silver came out, Mm -hmm. I think I was in the second grade and like, it was just even better. Like it's Game Boy Color. There's night and day. You have to play at different times of the day. And then when Gen 3 came out, I was a little older, like maybe grade five. And like, mm-hmm. you're finally at that age where you can like play and be good at it. Like, I feel like when you're six years old, like how, how good can you really get? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would like plan, once I like, got a feel for the game, I would like plan out my teams and I would like have my Game Boy Color and my Game Boy Advance. Oh, sorry, I had two Game Boy Advances for some reason, like two different like editions of it. One with the backlight and one of the, the regular one. Oh, nice. And I bought myself like a link cable and like I would hatch all the eggs of the Pokemon I wanted with their special moves and like trade it back to my other game. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, so I would start with like this like really stacked team of like level five Pokemon. So then I knew what moves they were going to have and I would play it through like that with the team that I created in my other game and yeah, to like, you know, beat the Elite Four really successfully and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my God, you actually beat the system by, <laughs> by having a second Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I didn't so have good. any friends, but I had the strategy. 
<laughs> that's really forward thinking though because like as a parent like if you if your kid asked you to buy like two consoles plus a link cable so that they could trade pokemon through these games like, what no like what, what are you talking about yes, it was like yes. it was over time it wasn't oh, okay, all at once okay. it was like you know how the original game boy advance and they came out with another one that had like a light so you could like oh, the play SP? It, yeah so you could play it at nighttime yep. so i had i had that one and that's how i, I figured right. it out mm, okay it's different this one has a light in the back of it <laughs> That was a big, like, that was a huge thing, though. Like, having the, the backlight, you know, we had to, I don't know if you had the worm light, Megan, for, like, the uh, the, like, the Game yes. Boy and Game Boy Colors or whatever. <laughs> like, that, I remember having that on road trips, and that was awful. So when I got the SP, like, my world shattered. Yeah. And I remember I, I got the, the Pokey Rest. Have you heard of that? No. No. Oh, my gosh. It's like, okay. So then I didn't know what it was. So I Googled it, and I got into all these, like, online kind of, forums and stuff basically the pokerus it's very rare and if you're battling a wild pokemon your pokemon can like quote like catch it and basically it makes your pokemon level up faster so it's actually kind of like good to have it mm. but this oh. like sparked this whole like i went down this wormhole and apparently have you ever heard of a thing called like effort values no you're, you're taking us down a wormhole yeah. here <laughs> okay no it's 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 like way too much i got too into it like you have a i had a lot of time when i was like 12 i guess <laughs> but basically like your pokemon will grow and their stats will increase differently depending on what kind of pokemon you battle them against oh. so if you battle them against wild pokemon it's like not that good like if you battle them against other pokemon that are like trained mm. um like trainers pokemon they're gonna like be stronger like you know how each level they gain like one or two like of a stat yep they'll gain like more stat values per level if you battle them against stronger pokemon that actually makes sense like if your grass type pokemon beats a fire type pokemon i feel like that they should gain like more experience points than if they just beat like a weak little goldeen or whatever like that makes a lot of sense actually. yeah it's kind of like that yeah. so it's like i guess if you're a player who's playing competitively not only do you have to like hatch your pokemon but you have to like train them every time against other like trainers pokemon to get them strong enough to like compete against other players basically damn wow and that that's the coolest thing with those pokemon games is that you could beat it if you wanted to with just collecting your favorite pokemon like you'd probably be able to beat the elite four if you you might have to grind a little bit more but like if you're like me you can play the games by collecting your favorite guys leveling them up or you can play like you and have like a really deep strategy and 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 breeze through the elite four no problem uh, but when these when when the games came out on GameCube, a lot of the strategy that was kind of adopted in the handheld games was kind of discarded, and uh, we got like a new sort of way to play these games with catching shadow Pokemon and purifying them. So uh, when did you pick up Pokemon? Did you play Colosseum first or Gale of Darkness, and uh, and did you buy them at launch? Oh yeah, I bought them at launch for sure. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and I I loved it. I love Colosseum. I think more like just because it was the first to try that different strategy. Um, and I, what I liked about it, like I liked how the character was a bit older because you know I'm like maybe a tween at this point or like young. Yeah, I don't know how old I was, but like you know you're older than that ten year old kid who's like you've been playing as all those years. So it was nice to see the character kind of like grow up with you a little bit. Mm -hmm. um and i also liked how the pokemon your starters were like espeon and umbreon and they started at level 20 so you kind of skip that whole i'm, I'm fighting pidgeys at the beginning of the game which <laughs> yeah. i liked you could get right into it exactly and yeah i feel like that the collecting aspect was a little bit less because there's you know there's not 300 pokemon you can catch there's like you know a few dozen that are like for these trainers that you battle throughout the game so it kind of mm -hmm. streamlines the play a little bit which i also liked because you're kind of going through on this quest and you're battling only other people you're not having to like 
foray into the woods and like spend an ages like leveling up your Pokemon. Like it was, it was a different. St- I kind of like the different style of gameplay that they had. It was the the way they did it was was pretty innovative for sure at the time and just yeah like different like it's it wasn't that because it's I think people forget the the massive leap that they made from you know like blue and red come out in like what ninety nine in North America and then this game comes out in two thousand four that's just five years like mm-hmm. <laughs> between the two like five years now in gaming feels like nothing right but back then it was uh, it was such a a massive leap yeah. forward in terms of like how the game was being played as well as the graphics of course oh my gosh the graphics yeah i also love that aspect of it like you're in this 3d world and i was like whoa like this is like the full potential <laughs> pokemon like you know it's this beautiful world and you're doing this quest and it's yeah now do you still have these games do you still own pokemon coliseum and xd I still have XD. Um, oh my gosh, I gave my Coliseum to my ex-boyfriend in grade 12, and we broke up, and then I was like too chicken to ask for it back, and now it's like way too late. So. Oh, oh, see, I did the exact opposite, where I had a girlfriend in high school, and I had given her yellow, and then we broke up like at the beginning of grade 12, and like towards like the end, like the last week of high school, I was like, okay, gotta tie up these loose ends, gotta tie up these loose ends, and I was like, I need that Pokemon yellow back now. <laughs> she brought it the next day, so I got my Pokemon yellow back for Game Boy, thank God. Oh, yeah. No, you got to be fierce in high school, kids. If you're in high school right now, just don't feel bad. Just ask for your stuff back. Should I ask a decade later? Do you think he still has it? Can you please and send us a screenshot? That'd be great. (laughs) So these games were infamously a little bit more difficult than the the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance games. Did you beat these games back in the day, or have you gone back and beaten them since? Because I know that that's one of the things that a lot of people talk about is the difficulty. Um, I beat Coliseum for sure. I think I got close to beating XD like I think I caught like Lugia and stuff but I think something happened like I think I was like oh I want to do a different Eevee evolution and I like started my game again and I forget if I ever ended up beating it that's a great question I should I should turn on my console and check (laughs) (laughs) check that memory card out yeah for sure after these games did you continue on with Pokemon or were these kind of like some of the last ones that you played? They were kind of the last ones that I played because after that, you're kind of in high school, you're kind of getting yep. older, like other things kind of get more important. I did buy a few later generations for the DS for like a couple like road trips that I went on, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't get quite as into them. And by that time, you know, they're keeping with the new, newer and newer generations. So it just got like, I was like, oh, like I'm not as familiar with these Pokemon as the ones that I was growing up with. Neil and I had the same kind of consensus there too, is the fact that other things were happening. Yu-Gi-Oh existed, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we were getting older, man. Yu-Gi-Oh was out. <laughs> and, and it did feel like, yeah. like Pokemon was kind of, it felt you know almost like a fad. I think our parents definitely thought that uh, Pokemon was just a fad. That was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. this it's time is, is ending now. Yu-Gi-Oh is here. We had Digimon before. Like these things come and go, but somehow Pokemon has had some staying power. And the fact that, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that these games are actually good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's one thing to to have a a massive su- massively successful trading card uh, game, but it's a, another thing to actually have good video games to consistently come out for for the better part of a decade, right? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I agree, and they're like complex enough but light enough still that it's like really really accessible. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not a shooter girl. Um, that's like too intense for me, and some of these more like more modern like rpgs it's like you have to invest so much to like play them whereas pokemon is like you could pop in you could pop out you could like give it as much as you wanted and like 
you could still win in your mind, like whatever your goal was, whether to beat the game or catch all the Pokemon or like, like I did it, like do it really intensely. Like you can, <laughs> there's levels to it and it's kind of, yeah, it's accessible for everyone that way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about something as well. And that's the fact that Coliseum, weirdly, you cannot play as a girl for the, the, the main protagonist where just before that in the second gen for Crystal, you could choose a girl. Oh yeah, that was pure pure garbage. But like, what what do we expect? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just was so backwards. It was weird. It was like, why are you why are you not allowing this anymore? Yeah, you know, you it was like... it was stupid. And then you had that that girl like follow you around. <laughs> oh, the mist, the misty. I forget. Yeah. What, oh, I guess yeah. you can name her, but uh, yeah, she looked like misty. And then in, and then in XD there was like you had your little sister, the blue haired girl as yeah. well. Um, I don't I don't know why they did that. Pokemon have always done that where they kind of take a few steps forward and then they might take a step back. Like the day night cycle from gold and silver was missing mm-hmm. in ruby and sapphire, which was too bad. I don't know. I just like accepted that I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like a boy, like based on my interests. <laughs> it's just. Par for the course. <laughs> I remember, like, I vividly remember, yeah, Crystal probably came out around grade two or three. And I, I remember a lot of, a lot more girls were playing uh, Pokemon because of that fact. Because it's like, oh my God, I can play as like a girl now. Like, this is, this is cool. I know now it sounds stupid. It's like, obviously you should be able to play as a girl. But like back in 2002, this is pretty like revolutionary. <laughs> Sad to say. Yeah, I, I, I like remember I was excited for Crystal because I was like, oh my God, you can play as a girl. Yeah. When we were really young on the Game Boy, we just had fun naming our uh, our rival ass or whatever. That was kind of th- the most customization we needed back then. Oh, damn, I had respect for my rival. <laughs> Gave him a real name. No, no, no. We didn't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> well, Megan, is there anything else about these games or this franchise that you'd like to say before we let you go for today? Um... It's just, yeah, it was a great franchise, and I'm, I want to play it again. I'm going to go, like, turn on my GameCube, see where it's at. <laughs> turn on your GameCube. Nice. Uh, maybe message your ex-boyfriend. Maybe don't. <laughs> or just pay $150. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. What would you do? What would you do 10 years later? <laughs> his, his parents have probably thrown it out, like, years ago. <laughs> I would do a quick just Facebook sweep, a LinkedIn sweep to make sure he's still like all there, you know, just not nothing bad has happened. He's not crazy or anything. And then maybe just sound like a hey, make sure he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Make sure he's alive. Make sure he's active. Make sure he's still breathing. And then just check and say like, hey, do you have any like, do you remember borrowing this game from me? Uh, I need it back. Can you ship it to th- maybe don't give him your address either. Maybe find a friend that P.O. you're living Box. with just because. <laughs> yeah. P.O. Box somewhere a little more. If you live near like a convenience store, maybe get to know them a little bit and then ship it there. <laughs> You'll be all right. Well, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always $150 if you want to just go in and buy the used copy. But mm. Megan, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Okay, thanks so much for having me, guys. Cheers. Of course. Yeah, take care. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you very much, Megan, for coming on today, talking about your memories of Coliseum and uh, XD. And yeah, Neil, these games, we've talked about them a lot now. A lot of guests on to talk about them too. And they are obviously important games in the Pokemon pantheon, I guess, of uh, <laughs> of the franchise. But um, where where do you see this franchise going now i mean obviously we got arceus or arceus whatever you want to call it coming out yeah but uh what's next that's the thing is i i don't associate these two games as being pokemon rpgs in the sense of like the mainline games that we've talked about or even arceus i still associate coliseum and xd with the stadium uh Mm -hmm. franchise like like pokemon snap and pokemon snap 2 but uh 
so I'm just going to say like with the Pokemon Stadium franchise, I think that we're going to see another game like that at some point. Maybe not the Switch generation. I would be more than happy if we get a Stadium-like game in the Switch generation, like how we got a Pokemon Snap uh, revival. I would love a Stadium one. We were close with that Pokken game on Wii U. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you mentioned that one in your list of spinoffs, the, the Tekken Pokemon games. No, I, I didn't, or... but I, I did want to. That's a good mm-hmm. thing to bring up because, yeah, Pokken, which was the – um, yeah, Tekken meets Pokemon, basically, uh, w- which was a cool idea. I think it mm-hmm. works better in actual arcades because that's where it came from. Yeah, but I, exactly. Uh, I, and it came to Switch eventually, too, which was nice. But yeah, that, that was another kind of spinoff, half spinoff that uh, is probably going to come back in some way at some point. Yeah, and it was like a stadium fighter, but it wasn't like Pokemon Stadium where you pick your mm-hmm. your uh, your six Pokemon and you battle against a friend. But I would love a, a Pokemon Stadium light game. I think that that will get brought back. There, nothing's ever dead with Pokemon, so I think that we'll see something like that. Uh, in terms of like a Coliseum XD style game, I don't think so. Like I don't think that we'll ever see another game that's like a uh, you know purify the hearts of these darkened Pokemon and it uh, it's a grittier game or whatever that they said it was back then. I think at best you might see a port. Uh, eventually like we'll see the game eventually we will see gamecube games on nintendo's console whether it be switch or their next thing uh so i think that at best we'll see remasters or ports of those and then potentially a sequel to pokemon stadium but what about you mike where do you see these games going forward well it's funny uh because i really see the new game in like pokemon snap 2 is basically basically covering the bases of what we're going to get Pokemon wise from uh you know from these games because the new game definitely has a lot of elements uh especially the RPG mm-hmm. style of uh, of XD in Colosseum. So I think we're we're covered there and then also with games like Pokemon Snap 2 coming out being relatively successful, I think we're mm-hmm. also going to be covered on the stadium side of things as well. So I think we have a a pretty bright future ahead, probably the brightest of any of these other uh, <laughs> of these franchises that we've been talking about over the past year and a half here on the podcast. Well, yeah, Pokemon seems to have an infinite amount of money, and any Pokemon game that we've talked about has the best chance of coming back uh, by far. But, Mike, before we move into the remainder of our closing segments, why don't we hit the back of the cases for these games, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about the games that we suggest folks out there pick up, and then uh, go on to next week's episode. Let's do it. All right, sounds good. Let's read po- the back of the case for Pokemon Coliseum. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Story mode. Gotta save them all. In the new Aura region, a sinister organization is capturing Pokemon and misusing them. It's up to you to restore balance, seek out the shadow Pokemon, snag them, and restore their spirit. Very good. Unpopular opinion. Uh, the Pokemon are already being misused. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always have been misused. Yeah, for sure. Good, good point. I we, We'll talk about the front of the cases in, in just a moment. But before we do, let's hit the back of the case of Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Experience the extra dimension. Using Shadow Pokemon, an evil organization has unleashed a sinister plot of world domination. With Eevee as your companion, and with the help of numerous friends along the way, you must fight against terrible foes and race against time to snag and purify the Shadow Pokemon and save the world. It's interesting is that uh, with the multiplayer in these games, it's one, two, or four player simultaneous multiplayer. I was trying to think, have we ever seen a game that offers one to four players but not three player multiplayer? That's a good point. 
Uh, I honestly don't know. Uh, yeah, you're the I one who's looked so. at more back of the cases than me. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the first time that I've seen that, and I don't think yeah. we'll see. Uh, uh, listeners, if you can think of another game that offers four player multiplayer but not three, please let us know because I couldn't think of anything. I actually saw one that had one to three recently, and I forget what game that was. I was trying to think of it oh. before I came on, but yeah, it, it was a one to three player, and I was like, oh, that's a weird one. Well, at most, it might be that pack, the Pac-Man Versus that we talked about, because that one was a one to three player with the GameCube controllers and then one with the Game Boy Advance. That's the only one that I could think of. But uh, what did you think of the front of these cases, Mike? Because like up until this point, I really think of the um, the art, like the art style of Pokemon Red, Blue, even Gold and Silver. That's more of like they look like they're paintings almost of Pokemon. The front of this one is a bit more like all the Pokemon kind of look angry, if you will, and they're computer-generated images, too. They're not really, like, hand-drawn. What, what did you think of these games? So I never liked the cover of uh, of Coliseum. I never no. liked that. I, I, I get what they're doing. They're putting all the legendaries uh, mm-hmm. on, on the cover to be like, hey, look, this is, you know, this is cool part of the story. But uh, <laughs> it didn't do it for me. And I, I just – it's a very, like, early 2000s box art that hasn't aged well, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do absolutely love – the Pokemon XD box art. I think that's so cool. Uh, I remember as yeah. a kid looking at it and being like, oh my god, this is awesome. We got this dark Lugia here. It's yeah. uh, XD is a cool like <laughs> term, even though you don't know what it is. Uh, it, it was very mysterious and uh, it, just a different kind of... You knew it was a different kind of Pokemon game, right? Where Coliseum yeah. did look like... It, that was the issue too. It didn't even look like Stadium. Like it, it no. had that its same vibe there where XD was like, okay, this is definitely a different kind of game, like a different kind mm-hmm. of Pokemon game that I've ever played before. Yeah, and the Dark Lugia looks like it's stripped straight out of a Pokemon card. Like yeah. it looks like it could be in a pack of Pokemon cards, whereas the Pokemon Coliseum box art looks like just the computer generated uh covers that we saw like with the Digimon game or like yeah. the even like a Yu-Gi-Oh game. Like this almost looks like it could be a Digiverse kind of crossover game. Uh, it doesn't age super well. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of it either. I, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, they were, they were different than the, uh, than the handheld games for sure. Uh, so we talked about two games today, Mike Coliseum and XD. Are there any, would you recommend the listeners out there, uh, seek out and pick up any of these two games or should they switch over to one of the other mainline Pokemon games? It's hard to say. I was thinking of this, uh, for a while, while we were even doing the episode, uh, of mm-hmm. what to recommend. I would definitely recommend XD over Coliseum in basically every way. I think it improves upon the the former a lot more and uh, I it's just more polished. So I think if you if you want that experience and if you want a very unique experience in the Pokemon franchise, I think mm. uh, Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness is the one to pick up. I think that you're right. I think Gale of Darkness of the two is definitely the one to pick up. Even though I'm not, I'm still not a huge fan of the Pokemon cutesiness. Like I just want to, I want a grittier game or just one that leaves me alone. Like I, I don't like the dialogue between the characters. The lack of voice acting was a bit rough. And XD, keep in mind, is $200. I don't think it's worth $200. I no, did play the game no. this week. Uh, Dan lent it to me a couple of years ago. I just haven't given it back to him yet. <laughs> uh, but I did get to play it a bit this week. And I was like, man, this is, this is not a, it's not a $200 game. Like it's. No. 20 to 30 dollars on the eShop, maybe i would I, w- I would not spend 200 dollars on either of these games uh definitely look into picking up a cheaper alternative on switch or even on 3ds uh, i liked x and y i think that those are fine 3d pokemon games a bit more of a traditional story but uh i, I just i i think i prefer the um 
the, the formula for the old Pokemon games, starting off with a basic starter, working your way up through the gyms. I think it's a bit more of an addictive gameplay loop than than these games are, unfortunately. Even mm-hmm. though they do do something different, and I appreciate that in a game that's a hundred in a franchise that's 122 games deep. It's I'm glad that they're trying different things at least because if we had 122 games where you start off with Bulbasaur <laughs> and end off in the Elite Four, I think we'd pro- probably all be wanting to kill ourselves at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I 100% yeah. agree. It's that, mm-hmm. that this does bring a unique flavor to this world. And if you're a big yeah. Pokemon fan, you know, you definitely should try and play both of these games, I think, because uh, you, you will be rewarded for sure, even through the grinds. For sure. And as a GameCube collector, I think that they're... They're definitely pinnacles in the GameCube library, just not something that I think I need to add to my specific collection. Uh, but Mike, just a, a little bit of a stat here for you. We have now covered the top 10 best-selling GameCube games. Ooh, what are those games, Neil? Yeah, we got the Super Smash Bros. Melee, Mario Kart Double Dash, Super Mario Sunshine, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, Luigi's Mansion, Metroid Prime, Animal Crossing, Mario Party 4, Pokemon Coliseum, and Mario Party 5. Okay, okay. We're done the top 10 best-selling. That's, mm-hmm. And that's the end of the podcast. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to these 82 episodes. And uh, yep. that's it, Neil. <laughs> All 371 GameCube games, they're done. That's Wait it. <laughs> no, no, Mike, we still have quite a few more episodes to go, quite a few games to cover. So with that, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 83 of the GameCube School podcast. On episode 83, we are moving on towards the Robo Games. And I know that's not a, a franchise or anything, <laughs> but we do have uh, two games. We have Custom Robo and we have Chibi Robo. And we thought, why not put these two together and talk about them at the same time? Because they are they have Robo in the title. That's literally the only uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing that ties them together. So we're going to have on a couple of guests for each one to talk about the memories of them. Custom Robo, of course, is a kind of like a Gundam clone. Uh, mm-hmm. While uh, Chibi Robo is one of the most unique games that Nintendo or anyone has ever put out, and so I'm excited to talk about both. Yeah, me too. Chibi Robo, especially like a niche little 3D platformer. Super excited to talk about those games next week. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 82 of the GameCube with School podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five star rating and a review so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. If you want a free way to support the show, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at The GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Dark Lugia, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. Why the Tauros roast meat sandwich? Because it's not about pre-sliced farro meat sitting on wax paper like you know who does it. You need an oven-roasted, freshly sliced, piled-high sandwich with fresh cheese, freshly sliced peppers, and onions to get you to the Elite Four with full HP. The Tauros Roast Meat Sandwich, available now at the Pallet Town Diner.